Welcome back to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil, Toronto, Canada. You're listening finally to episode 185 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, matinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. I say welcome back because this fall we took a very much needed and very long break. Um, I just went out and lived. I, I, I got out of town. I saw concerts. I saw my friends. I saw my family. Uh, I enjoy, and it's still going. I've got like two more concerts before we even get out of October. I've seen Guns N' Roses. Really? Really. All yeah. right. It's it's. I, I, Do I, you have a headband or a scarf or some such? Uh, can I get one? Do you have one? I don't. You don't? But I feel I mean, like you know, we could take your shirt and kind of fashion it. Yeah. It's a, a lovely shade of plaid. Yeah, I think eBay could probably sort you out. I'm 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 definitely like listen. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm certainly going for music, but I'm really also going in the interest of science you know who goes to the show yes yes as an observer I, I really I feel like I could fill an entire tumbler and and this is the thing so you know dialing back the writing a little bit in September and October and dialing back the podcast it's allowed me to to get out and to, to observe experience the world yes yes and it's left me rejuvenated so we're, we're ready to, to get everything back up and running to, to sprint towards the end of this dumpster fire of a year. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> you know, in the words of the ladies from another round, who I saw at the Hot Dogs Podcast Festival, you know, drink some water, take your meds, call your person. Yeah, yeah, yeah that should be the mantra for 2017. It, it, it really should. Yeah. Um, so that's my long-winded way of saying we're back. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for coming back and joining me on this little experiment that continues. Um, I'm always appreciative to any one person who tunes in, let alone the several of you who do. Um, and of course, we need a guest. You, you've heard her voice already. You've heard her voice several times on this show. Somebody who I'm always happy just talks to me, period. Because I'm like, you know, we've known each other a few years. Why do you waste your time on my ass? I don't know. My voice is less beat up today, though. Like, this is probably the best shape I've ever been in. Were you drinking yesterday? Because no. that is a theme. No. If you listen to the other three episodes. Yeah, like yeah. Hey, you doing, Pete? Oh, I was drinking like hey, yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't at any massive, like, <laughs> you know, gallery openings or anything else. It was just a quiet night. Nice. Yeah. I was still delayed getting here because Toronto. Uh, that's Petula Neal of In a Tiff, the podcast uh, extraordinaire out of Toronto. How are you this morning? Uh... Besides not rough? You're not rough? I, the world is still... A dumpster fire. Yeah. Drink yeah. your water, take your meds. <laughs> call, call your, your person. person. Yeah. 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 Um, so I would say every day that I wake up in the world is still here. Cautiously optimistic that it will be here tomorrow. See, I'm, I'm thinking you know, in these times, it's, it's even more important that we get together. Like you and I, but like people in general, you know, we're, we're, ret we're retreating behind our phones. And I, I think that's the thing, is that it's we need each other in these moments. Yeah. You know? it, it was kind of nice to see people standing on the street corner on Queen this morning, clapping for the first people coming through with the mm -hmm. marathon. And then just personally, there was some kind of like a psychological balm in seeing, you know, the, the super pale human landscape that is the beaches clapping right. for all the people who are at the front which are of course all black people right. at the front of right, the right. marathon yeah so yeah that is that is it's, it's like well done yeah good job yay oh, canada man. yay canada on episode 185 <laughs> we'll be discussing professor marston and the wonder women we'll be flipping the record over to play the other side but first we need to learn more about patula this is know your enemy
is a four-time guest. Starting with episode 131, you got four times in 50 episodes. That's awesome. Wow. That's Am like, I like, is that like Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin I mean, kind like of considering numbers? I mean, considering Lindsay has only been on two full episodes. What? I know. I'm bad. I, I, I'm <laughs> bad about saying, hey, you want to just do this show with me? No, two times. She'll, she'll jump in for like the year-end one and she'll jump in for, for that kind of thing. Yeah. But as far as, hey, let's go see something and record about it, she's not so great. Uh, so I, I got to get better at that. Another, this is cathartic. I'm, I'm figuring out all the things I need to do better going forward. Episode 131, Jupiter Ascending. We learned. The first movies she'd seen in a theater were Gandhi and Out of Africa. The last movie she'd seen at the time was I Know That Voice, a documentary about animated voice actors. The worst film she'd ever seen was Howard the Duck. Mm. The unseen classic or essential was Avatar, which she has since seen on a television. The film she wished she made was Pulp Fiction. Ugh, Weinstein. Episode, yeah. yeah we could, uh, you know what? I almost want to have Sorry. a whole other episode about Sorry. that. I, I, I'm... I have just so We'll put a pin in that for now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next, Petula came by for episode 153, where we talked about The Witch, or as we just called it off-air, The Vavitch. We learned the film that she digs that nobody else likes is Untamed Heart. The film everybody else digs that she does not is Under the Skin. The (laughs) film to make her cry with a great big huge asterisk is a snowman commercial that used to play before before Cineplex Odeon. Just don't talk about that. Okay. In the movie of her life, she'd be played by Michael B. Jordan. The movie she was watching next was Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Finally, that same year on episode 162, we talked about Star Trek Beyond. We learned the film that made her love of film turn a corner was something called Afterlife. Her first date movie, which still makes me laugh to express, is The Bodyguard. Um, <laughs> my God. With a Caucasian with a, with dude. A, with, with, yes, yeah. with, the, with the pasty boy. Yeah. Uh, the sick day movie is Dave Chappelle's Block Party. I was watching that the other day, too. That movie's underratedly genius. Um, the film that left her speechless, double barrel action there of Precious and Hunger. And her epitaph would be, you get what you settle for, from Thelma and Louise. So it's time for round four. What is the movie, Petula, that you really dig, but you never want to watch again? Well, I was thinking about Mr. McQueen again. (laughs) Uh, I'd say shame. Really? Yeah. Why shame? I really liked it, but much like Hunger, it takes you through a more realistic arc for a person in a movie. Most films... You hit the credits at a termination point that is optimistic or a conclusion, whereas shame is much more true to life, but the ending doesn't necessarily leave you wanting to bell kick your heels as you're heading out of the theater. Okay. It's beautiful, like everything McQueen does, and, you know, Fassbender uh, is really... Watching that just kind of makes me want to raise the last some of the things from the last few years of Fastbender. Sidebar, finally watched Assassin's Creed because it was on uh, oh, okay. TMN. And? I was just so confounded about why, after some of the material he's had the, the privilege to participate in, why on earth would he ever do that? Like, I understand. Yeah, but I, bought, I think he bought a house. I mean, him, him yeah. and McKander, you know, they, they found a nice little cottage on a cul-de-sac or something. Yeah. He needed a paycheck. Yeah. So he's like, what, a video game movie? Those always make a lot of bank. But then there were a lot of other people in that movie that made no sense. Oh, like, like oh Mar- you know, real estate market is doing great. Yeah, it was. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, um, Shame <laughs> was 
Beautiful was really good, but it's not the kind of movie that if it's on, I would ever make a point of watching again. I don't think I would go out and yeah. see it again. Yeah. Um, I think there's other things that I'd want to do um, with my emotional capital, especially in these trying times. Mm -hmm. uh, it maybe in a few years, I would be, hopefully the world will have turned a corner mm -hmm. and I'll have a bit more emotional space to take those ups and downs. But I feel like most of the McQueen oeuvre is like a one and done, maybe two and done, because of just how much it's like taking a melon baller to your feels. <laughs> I, I really missed your turn of phrase. Um, you know, I, I've never really thought about him that way, but you're absolutely right. And I think if he knows that about himself, and he may, he probably does, I would think that would actually give him reason to hit that much harder, right? I know everybody who's going to come is going to come one time, and they're going to take away the impact of, of this experience and, and never, ever come back. So while I may not want to leave them feeling absolutely rotten, screw it. I'm just going to go for that because I know they're never going to come back, and I, he's just not going to... He's basically, he's either going to take the gloves off or put the brass knuckles on yeah. and hit us that much harder. And it's kind of amusing that that's your call because <laughs> I actually just rewatched it for the first time since it dropped yeah. like, like two weeks ago. Yeah. It's beautiful though. I mean, it's, it's easier the, to watch visually than I'd say some of his well, other things. No, some because I mean, shots. the thing is, even just when I glance yeah. over, I can tell that he's detached. I have, I have nothing against filthy movies and yeah. you know the movie we're going to talk about today is kind of tiptoeing around that but yeah. at the same time the up against the window stuff and shame I, I will say i enjoyed it. if I, you take yourself out <laughs> of like the character's emotional journey and i really did love like the thigh high socks like i was just like really into those socks it was one of those winters right i think after that in canada where i was like this makes sense yeah like and uh, this, it's need, more practical than having like tights under your jeans because sure. then like just to go to the bathroom as a woman like there's yeah. there's this, even this, visual yeah. things about that movie that change the way I dress. Yeah. Not like to do things up against a window, but <laughs> just because, you know, good idea. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? As much as one can enjoy that. Yeah. You know? Um, halfway through, did you think, why did I put myself through this again? Or were you just at halfway, that point so through, in I it? Just, I felt bad for everybody in it. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm like, this is just going to go on and on and on and affect all of your lives for a very long time. Um, so no, it's, it's, it's funny because yeah, there's so much about that movie that I was just floored by in a, in a beautiful way. And, and even though I did go back to it this week after whatever, it's been like six years now, I had to, th I had to ask myself, why don't I ever want to go back? Oh yes, that's why. Yeah. No, good answer. Very yeah. good answer. Um, what is a movie that genuinely freaked you out? It's a recent one. Okay. Uh, get out. Oh my god! Um, and this is where I ask myself how long I want this podcast to go. We'll but, just um, we'll just say, uh, and I've said this on other things, and I believe it may have been uh, somebody on one of the many NPR podcasts I listened to talked about that movie and said basically the first two acts are like the first time he went home with. Um, Caucasian partners in the past, like it almost beat to beat. Like the only thing that diverges is that third act, but all of that, oh, my family's great. And then getting there and then watching them say or do weird microaggressy things. Mm -hmm. And then just the realizing maybe this wasn't a good idea to bring 
this other to uh, event that has so many mm-hmm. family and friend members, that whole voyage, uh, I think, is unfortunately just because not there isn't the amount of understanding of different cultures that we would like there to be. Mm-hmm. Something that happens far too often, and then that the third act doesn't seem that big of a jump after the first two, that's what freaks me out the most. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you get to that payoff, and you're like, of course this is why he's here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yes. Like, you've you've taken something that's happening, and you've basically just, you've, you've made it a little bit fanciful. Yeah. But at the same time, you're doing exactly what, you know, is happening. Yeah, yeah, that is... Especially I mean, the first act, there's nothing in the first act. The crazy thing except is, for the Lakeith Stanfield, like, um, getting disappeared. Yes. Like, that one little shot. Everything else is... This has all happened it's, to anybody who's dated somebody from another culture and has to take them home to some sort of family event. So, but, so I guess, so freaked you out because of the accuracy? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. <laughs> You thought you were just going to go in there and get scared yeah. by some weird shit at the end. Exactly. No, you're like, oh, you're like in a fetal position by the time that movie was I over. I thought it would give me much more of a Cabin in the Woods thing where I'd have a few yucks and then a few jump scares. And then it was much more um, sort of creeping dread that mm-hmm. followed me out of yeah. the theater and into, you know, the real world mm-hmm. in a few scenarios where you get that feeling Is uh, that, um, when you're in a room and you realize you're the only one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what is a movie that always makes you laugh? And this is where I had to go back to one that I've used before. Okay. Dave Chappelle's Block Party. <laughs> it's my safe space. It's my sick day. It's my, yeah. It's the one thing that if I need to smile, for sure. Is, it, is there any part in particular that really, like we, last time you were on, we talked about how much I love him and Mo's Def doing their little you oh, know, the really, really shitty comedy bit. Yeah. Is it like, is that it? Or is there the, more like when he's talking to various people? There's just, I smile all the way through it, but then I am also frequently surprised by just laughter. And it's not even necessarily laughter at the jokes. It's just laughter at the joy, mm. especially when he's sort of his Willy Wonka routine in the beginning where he's going around giving out the tickets. So the, the marching band thing yeah. with the kids where they're figuring out if they can, go on the trip like that whole <laughs> bit just he gives one to like uh like a convenience store clerk yeah and she seems more mystified than yeah. the, what are we doing yeah and uh, some of the quest love just like comments that he drops the whole kanye and the band thing where you know i think it is quest love that throws out the salty He's gonna think he made it stop raining about Kanye, <laughs> like just. Which is funny because that's that's Kanye like at his beginning, yeah. right? Like uh, that, I think that was another. You're you're doing great with this. Another movie I rewatched recently. Yeah. Um, I, I I had it on and I remember thinking to myself, my God, everybody looks so young. Yeah. You know, it was just 13 years ago, but everybody looks just like so much more joyful. Yeah. They're not worn down by the world. Yeah. And, and I mean, even Quest, like Quest. I, I don't think you can turn on a TV and not see Quest. He's everywhere. He is. The he's, man is everywhere, which is a wonderful thing. Yes. But I'm looking, I'm like... Which is good, because I'm still not watching Jimmy Fallon or SNL. No, you can find him other places. Yeah. It's great. But I mean, it's... You, I'm looking, I'm like, you, you look you look at you. Look at you. You're so, you know... Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's, that's a good one. I have to recommend that for all the things all the time. So now that could very well be the same answer, but what is your favorite movie soundtrack? I'm going a little bit more kind of high school me. Okay. And to give you an insight into high school P, I had a real Harry Connick Jr. thing for more than a minute there. Fantastic. Like, a, like saw him in concert a couple of times. Okay. And one of the things... How does this not come up in conversation between <laughs> us over know. several years? I don't know. <laughs> but Sleepless in Seattle. Oh. For that, that soundtrack is still in... Wow. There's songs off there that are still in my top played. So it was between Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail, there's another one, but definitely um, Sleepless in Seattle, part of the reason, there's a couple songs on there, the Stardust, Nat mm-hmm. King Cole, um, the Kiss to Build a Dream on, Louis Armstrong, there's just so many songs on that one that, and they're not long, like that's the no. thing with old songs. They're really, they're really quick three minutes the or less. And it's funny because one of those songs I now adore that kind of sums up, uh, you know, romantic Ryan is Wink and a Smile. Oh, yeah. You know, and speaking of Harry Connick Jr., um, I would never have guessed that one in a million years. Um, that's it's a very that's kind of a that's a different age of soundtrack, right? Yeah. Like those were the ones, those rom coms in the 90s were the ones that were this real cross-section of old school stuff and some new ballads that they would have some adult contemporary artists yeah. sing um i i think i had that one yeah um, but uh i had the physical cd i know when uh, Nora Ephron passed i went uh, on a hunt and then just decided to download Mm-hmm. and acquire legally yeah. uh, a couple of the soundtracks from her music. Oh, When Harry Met Sally. That's oh, another yeah. one. Yeah. It was, that was the other one that's sort of on the short list of soundtracks that I listened to a lot. Wow. Yeah. And, that, and I mean, that one's even more Harry Connick. Yeah. That one was like his show, wasn't it? I Basically, think so, yeah. With like the one Ray Charles tune thrown in. Yeah. Uh, I think When Harry Met Sally had the the big, big, it yeah. had to be you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, last but not least, what is a movie you love, but very few people have heard of? So we already talked about Afterlife. So instead, this time I went for a film that I did at TIFF years ago, early aughts, uh, called Mr. Inbetween. Hmm. So in the, in the pre-Netflix era, children, uh, sometimes... <laughs> Come movies, with me to a magical land. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, well, first of all, there's this great place called Blockbuster where you can go in and get this physical thing that you would take home and then have to go back to them and give it back to them to watch a different movie. But yeah, uh, back in the day, there was a time when there was, a, I would say, a percentage of films that were often, you know, English language, maybe had even one or two people you recognize them, and you would never see those movies again if you didn't see them mm. at a festival. Right. Because before all these streaming channels gave another way for these movies to at least find an audience, even if that audience was only at home. Back then, I would see movies and think, this is really great. I can't wait to see what happens when this comes out. And it just never really came out. And maybe it came out in the UK, but it didn't come out here. And it was a movie about a, a gentleman who has a 
job involving ending other people's lives, but it's more about his inner life. Uh, he has a few uh, ticks around uh, keeping his house and life tidy, mm -hmm. uh, probably undiagnosed OCD. Uh, but as always, the movie sort of meets the character at a point where something happens to disrupt his routine, both in his professional and personal life. Mm -hmm. It falls from there, and it's just... It was really, really good. Wow. And sorry, what's it called again? I'm sorry. Mr. In-Between. Mr. In-Between. Wow. Huh. British. I, and you saw that one at the festival? I saw that, that one well, at the festival. How long ago were we talking here? I'd say fairly early odds. Maybe okay. 2000, earlier than 2005. Okay. I feel like, yeah. Anybody in it that we'd know? I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will seek this thing. I will seek out this opus. Yeah, but it's the one that always sort of pops to my mind. Of, Did that ever? No. Yeah, I'm gonna. Really I'm gonna scour the various platforms and and see if if anybody yeah. ever picked it up. For it's that. it's dark. It's not like super cheerful. But that's fine. No, it's, <laughs> I watch Shame for Kicks on Monday. Okay, yeah. come on. Yeah. we're in that place right now. Yeah. Um. Okay, Mister In Between. I will look for that. Uh, there we go. That's more about Pete. We'll get her back eventually for a uh, fifth round. Uh, <laughs> breakneck speed, apparently. Um, but for now, it is time for the new slang. And the new slang for episode 185 is Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Come on back. The subtitle for the new slang in episode 185 is How Long Will It Take Before Petula Makes Ryan Blush? <laughs> Professor Marston and the Wonder Women is written and directed by Angela Robinson. It stars Luke Evans, Rebecca Hall, and Bella Heathcote. It's set in the 1940s when a married couple at Harvard managed to develop one of the earliest lie detectors. You would think that would lead them to great acclaim and cement their legacy. Well, it didn't exactly, because shortly after they perfected the technology, they were professionally smeared and cast out of academia. This happened because they dared to love. Specifically, they dared to love an undergrad. Yes, they. When William and Elizabeth Marston met Olivia Byrne, they were both so smitten that the three entered into a relationship together. With academia behind them, they need to do something that burns bright, and one day William believes that something new will be a comic book character, a woman running around in high-heeled boots, a sparkly onesie, and a golden rope. Seems silly when you first look at it until you consider its rather unorthodox origins and subtext. So, there's no stretch to consider this year a massive resurgence for the Wonder Woman character. You're even sporting your tee today. Looks good on you. One of uh, my three. One, you have three Wonder Woman tees? Yeah, I wore a different one to the movie, and I was sitting fairly close, and Angela Robinson kept looking at me like she thought I was going to ask a question, and I... At one like, point, I gave my head a gentle like just, I got no, nothing. I'm just I got nothing. I'm just wearing, I'm just sporting the colors. I just, yes, nice. I have many of these shirts, and I'm also just enjoying the show. And yeah. it was, yeah. Um, and of course, this year being the resurgence of Wonder Woman, it's also well overdue. However, the resurgence comes with a re examination of how we got here. So a movie like this is well-timed, but it also poses the question, pop quiz hotshot. And I genuinely don't know this, and I thought it would be a good starting off point for the conversation. Is this somewhere movie fans should or will want to go? I think that <laughs> if you really 
are the kind of person who likes to know the origin of things mm. or the inspiration for things or where ideas came from, then yes. I think if you're somebody who just likes to enjoy things sort of on the surface so that you can come up with even your own, you know, backstory or not be influenced by knowing other details, then maybe it's not. I, I think for people who are into comic books, there's often a desire to know elements of the origin of the origin story. Okay. So I think if you are coming maybe more from the paper side of things to Wonder Woman, you would perhaps be more amenable to knowing this level of detail mm -hmm. if you don't already know it. Right. I think if you're coming from a, you know, extended universe film place, you may, <laughs> you may still want to know, but I don't think it's as much of a, a given. Right. Yeah. I... You know, it's it's funny because even though the title is what the title is, Wonder Woman doesn't factor into things until the final act. You know, there's no although the beginning, the sort of oh yeah, so yeah, him... there's a framing device, yeah. Um, which I got to be honest, I didn't even really think that worked that well as as a framing device to take us through the whole story. Like, I, I get that Connie Britton's questions were really good in leading us back to back to the meeting and back to the idea of vulnerability and truth and all, you know, all these ideas. It's a neat trick, but it didn't work quite as well for me. Um, I now I'm, I think your answer is actually probably the best one is that if you're the kind of person who likes to know why is this what it is, this is going to be a good movie for you. Yeah, um, and if you've listened to any other podcast about comic books or watched any YouTube Thing about comic books um, there is a subset of uh, the aficionado that loves to go super deep nerd and drop knowledge from places previously like those people yeah should this should be required viewing right for anyone who has any kind of podcast or YouTube channel about comic books yeah it's I, it, I guess the other reason why I was asking was I, my, my crowd for this wasn't very big you you saw it like TIFF right yeah I saw so, it like, TIFF okay, Princess so, of Wales okay so hang theater. on okay we're gonna get back there <laughs> I, I saw it with like I think there was maybe 15 people and me and I could hear every whisper and every giggle Right, every I, uncomfortable I, shift in the yeah, seat. Yeah, I do not think anybody other than me knew what they were getting into, and I only knew because I read a book. Um, what was that tip premiere like? Okay, so first of all, I didn't read the book, but I did go into it, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I said this on my podcast. I just hope I get to see some rope sex. So <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You're keeping count. Six minutes. <laughs> Which we got, okay. But there is a certain thing about enjoying parts of a movie like that in a super packed theater, with uh, Princess of Wales being one of the theaters this year that they did the assigned seating. Mm. So although Mel was in my screening of that, I wasn't sitting with her. I was sitting with uh, was I sitting with strangers on either side of me, or was that the one? One of the movies I randomly ended up sitting right next to Bob, <laughs> which almost is worse. <laughs> but either way, there's definitely an element of not 
wanting to enjoy certain scenes too much right because it's a very packed theater but were there the buzzes and the giggles and the shifting in the there seats? was definitely some seat shifting and because it was a very full theater yeah, it was yeah. sort of like you know a lot of you could hear the that, the, the butt shift oh. back and forth and uh, at, there were a couple of points where you're definitely holding your breath together and then an exhale uh yeah oh, yeah so there were a couple of scenes okay that even if you went into that movie looking for rope sex you weren't quite expecting to get it that way and it right. was you know beautifully shot and of course it's a hollywood film so everyone is very attractive in the movie so it's hard not to hurt it phrasing <laughs> difficult not to uh, enjoy some elements of the film but right. you're in a, a packed, you're in public yeah, yeah. you're, in, you're yeah. in public you have to know your audience yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah a lot I, of a lot I, of leg crossing I butt can, shifting. i can feel my blushing um yeah i take it you dug this movie I really liked it. I was actually surprised how much I liked it. It wasn't initially on my list. It fit in a hole. Again, phrasing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is already the best episode ever. <laughs> and the director, as you know, I do my list of scanning things. Yeah. There was a color and uh, a lady happening behind the camera. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. So... No, I slotted it in, didn't read too much about it, and thought, based on the subject matter, I would enjoy some elements of it. It was a lot of really sweet love stories at the festival this year, sure. and God knows we needed it. Yeah, really. So that was what really uh, drew me in and kept me there. Mm -hmm. You know, I came for the rope sex and stayed for the love. <laughs> oh, they should put that on the poster. Um, <laughs> Absolutely I, should not. I know why do we need this needs to happen i liked this movie i wanted to love this movie um and it's and i mean the only reason why i didn't love this movie is i wanted more hear it sorry um i <laughs> phrasing wanted the relationship okay so i, I should, let me get specific so the thruple the the thruple um we've got um you know we, we've got olive elizabeth and william and this movie goes through great length great great length to paint us a deep picture of them as a trio right and what i i think that was that was actually one of the things i really did love about this movie is if you're coming into this thinking this is just three people who want to who want a spare or this is just three people who get their jollies by rope sex. It's like, no, 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 no. These are three people who love each other. You know, if you don't understand what polyamory is, and I, I really, you know, I, I have no experience with it, so I don't. Um, I know what I've read, and I have a mild understanding, but I don't capital U understand. This will help you understand how three people can truly love two others each. I wanted more um, because... I got the, I certainly got the love between um, William and Elizabeth. I think maybe because it's established by the time we arrive. I didn't get as much of the love between the other two pairings, you know, especially between Olive and Elizabeth. They don't have a whole lot of time when William's not around. So I get why they're hot for each other. 
That's very evident. Um, I wanted more of the love. That I, that to me was like the only little drawback um, because the rest of this movie is awesome. I think they did kind of skip to their normalization of their relationships. You did miss some of that because mm-hmm. in the first act it was very much more like William and Olive coming together and then the second act was more how the wife kind of came into this and then the third act is a lot more of Olive's POV but I think that uh, if you look at especially in their home life a lot of what you see between the two women around their roles as kind of homemaker Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. that is you skip the fun stuff with them a little bit but you get much more of like a happily married couple with the two of them but it is often framed with him present yeah that's yeah, yeah. And that's that's my thing. I'm like I I totally see how you two love each other. I, I have no problem yeah. understanding this. If a person didn't understand, I would just say, just watch this movie. You'll get it. I, I just wanted that without him. Yeah, you know, um, like it, it's it it's it's a shorter movie. Like it's it's like ten minutes short of two hours. So I feel like there might have been a few scenes that got trimmed back. Yeah, which but, I'm glad about because movies are too long now, honestly. <laughs> and maybe it's just because I'm fresh off the heels of seeing Blade Runner yeah, twice. Yeah, I was gonna but say. Yeah, um, it, I was okay that we didn't get as much establishing relationship stuff because yeah. we got to see more of them functioning as a unit. I don't think we needed the the establishing part either, right? Yeah. It's like, well, why are you here? Well, because I'm hot for this person. Yeah. Okay. And I'm also hot for this person. Yeah. Oh. But they were hot for their brains. That was a thing. We got to see... Listen, these are some very pretty brains. They okay? are. You know, we, we, the seduction scene wasn't over at a, a, a symposium yeah. or anything like that. But a lot of the initial... Uh, I adoration yeah. was in classrooms. In classrooms, or when one character was talking about their field of study to another. So some of the, I would say, next to the rope sex, most titillating moments were watching one character watch another while they were talking about mm-hmm. something to do with their field of study. I think for me, one of the hottest moments actually would have been when they put Olive in the lie detector. Oh, God, yeah. You know? And it, I mean, it's not exploitative in any way. No. I mean, Lord knows they could have made it that There's way. There's almost no skin at all. But no. t- and it's not even that tight, but the way they strap her in. But I mean, but even just, you know, they ask a direct question. Yeah. You know, like, are you are you attracted to me? And she's like, nope. And you just see that little... Yeah, and and I love. I almost didn't even really want to see that. I just kind of wanted to hear it go. But it's that idea, which I mean, is at the core of Wonder Woman, which nobody really thought of for the longest time. That here is somebody who is going to pin you down and make you tell the truth. It's like, shit, that's kind of (laughs) hot. You know, you know, the 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 joke is always lie to me, lie to me. No, no, you know, confess. Yeah, yeah, please. Oh man, yeah, strap me in and ask me questions. Yeah. Um, was there a performance? You're so red right now. I believe it. Um, was there a performance that uh, that jumped out for you of these characters? 
one of the one of them that you like more than the others? I say all of Bella really? Heathcote. Yeah, uh, because it starts off and you think you know what they're going to do with her because she is. Um, She's a babe in the woods. Very, you know, young and beautiful and, but in a way she's actually sort of the strongest of the three and the most uh, resolute in her decision about uh, the relationship for, I would say, more of the right reasons. Yeah. I think initially William may be driven more by... uh, not more by, but equally by what's happening mm-hmm. south of the Beltline. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Versus north of the necktie, whereas she is coming in very much uh, ready to love these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the one, it's funny because the one thing I, that just jumps out at me when I was asking about the characters and the actors is I love how this is a movie that turns the normal approach on its head where a a film like this ordinarily olive would just be the generic cookie cutter cover of l ingenue that's just you know this year's flavor of the week in this movie it's luke evans that character that actor any of the you could have subbed in Dominic Cooper or Dominic West or Orlando Bloom or, you know, like any, any Brit who's feigning an American accent could have played that role and done the exact same thing. He is, I love that he is the disposable part of this equation. Basically anybody who plays a superhero in either the Marvel or DC universe. One of the Chris's. Any of the Chris's. Yeah. Oh Um, God, Hemsworth would have been delicious. (laughs) Do you need a minute? Yeah. Okay. Okay, we're good. We're good. For me, uh, I actually I was more drawn to. I love that you're fanning yourself. I I was more <laughs> drawn to um, Rebecca Hall in this movie because of the way her character um, has to go through more methodology and logic in terms of the actual situation. So, you know, she's all, we can already tell that she's a very even for like even for now even for 2017 she's a very modern woman in the approach to her relationship and her work and what she knows about, you know, just human attraction. But it, she still has to come face to face with it and doesn't always go along. Like she, you know, you, I love how in this movie you can see her doing the math and thinking both with her heart and her head. Yeah, we can do this, you know? And, and it's, it's, she never really, she never like screams at him. She never loses it. I think there's one time where she, kind of sort of storms off mm-hmm. she she's so good in this movie in the way she approaches every situation God, watching her interview for the job that she has to take later on yeah that kills me though that yeah. is just yeah oh that hurts she has to she has to do a lot of she movie. makes a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. for this relationship did you buy the way that spun later because later on they they try to kind of nod at that when they talk about how Diana is a secretary and they say, why is she just a secretary? And he says, well, why, you know, what's wrong with being just a secretary? And, and it, like, it, it's almost as if he's trying to frame it as that, that was a bit ham handed. Some yeah. of the parallels to the actual comic book character, like I could have figured that out. Yeah. They didn't have to spell them out. So, you know, clearly in the film, mm-hmm. 
Although I will say that the costume uh, shopping scene, while completely on the nose, mm -hmm. beautifully shot. Yes. I'm almost mad that they used part of that in the trailer. Because yeah, that was... Seeing that in the film without having seen that in the trailer yeah. before, because I didn't watch the trailer going in or anything. No. Uh, was just amazing. Yeah, that her, was her stepping of, out onto that stage yeah. was just like, yeah. I'm gonna need a minute. Yeah, um, yes. You, hold, hold here, please. Yeah, um, yeah. I. Um, it's it's kind of funny just like thinking about all this and how something that's so absurd, because the way um, the way Elizabeth frames this when she's going over the the details of who Wonder Woman is, she's absurd. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, she's like, I love you, but no. Yeah. Um, I love that this movie talks about how something that seems absurd or seems like it's specific or not for everybody can be so much more. I think because I had also seen Wonder Woman mm -hmm. a couple times, what really kind of stuck with me as you move into that third act was as preposterous as it seems to make this you know female superhero all about love and compassion that is really the overarching theme that carries both movies to a conclusion that may not be smooth i'll say definitely sort of the last bit of the first act and the second act were I'd say the parts of the film that I felt hung together the most okay. was the third act felt a little bit um, like they were rushing to tie up the way the framing device worked yeah. within their personal yeah. story. Right. But one could say the same thing about the third act of Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman right. yeah. but, so well done. Yeah. But they both sort of left me with this feeling of love being the, um, if not the answer, at least the goal that we should all be striving towards uh letting love make more of the decisions yeah yeah uh, yeah I, and i think you know it's it sounds soppy and it's the kind of thing that'll get you like smacked down in a conversation yeah, but it's absolutely. like no no this is let that inform you i, I mean, left that movie happy yeah yeah i mean that's yeah. A, yeah i i needed i needed that at that moment this is not usually the time of year for happy movies, I mean, even you know, we keep coming back to it. Even Blade Runner didn't leave me walking away happy. Oh God, no! Um, and it's you know, the, the other thing that's weird is saying that question. Something absurd can actually be about something more. Is that is really as ham-fisted as it happens in this movie? The way that the movie tries to explain the rope sex, right? It's that if you're looking at it from the outside, you just think, well, you just need some dirty, dirty shit to get your rocks off. It's like, no, no, no. It's actually about more um and i think this movie does a reasonable job of explaining that i don't know if it hits it a little hard sometimes yes um its conclusion which we will not explain yeah um was a little on the nose yeah williams uh submissive nature uh that also i don't know you got there but they kind of just you got there they threw it down and then you, they kept it moving uh but and you definitely sort of, once you hear them talk about that, you look back to his relationship with his wife and think, oh, yeah, it was there the whole time. <laughs> I just didn't notice it yeah. until this other element was brought in that you thought would also be submissive. But 
ends up dominating him in a different way. Yeah. It's, you know, it's weird because William has that as part of him, but he can't seem to articulate it. I kind of felt like we needed that. We needed that boutique owner guy around again. We needed him to kind of, we needed him in the conclusion. Yeah. Really. Actually, we just needed him, period. Like, I just liked listening to him talk. That was a great scene. Wh- yes, it, was, it did While he's tied, while he's still, he's just working on his ropes, tying up, you know, double knot, double this. It, it did give me sh- pain. It was, it was, okay. shades of the Merovingian from uh, the Matrix series <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yes, a yes. A little bit. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, was there anything about this movie that jumped out at you that you wanted to bring up? I mean, I think I've already shared what i enjoyed <laughs> it's we, are actually, le- we are learning so much it's, it's the most i've ever liked luke davies though i mean i luke evans or evans yeah i don't even remember his name that's yeah, why yeah. yeah he uh in the past has not been necessarily given a chance to you know act with a capital a mm-hmm. so i may have put him in a box that I need to re-examine now like, what I think I might enjoy watching him in because uh, he did the way the movie starts you kind of think okay this is the guy he's going to be this is a certain time in history where men are the men and the women are sort of secondary and subjugated and whatever and uh, initially you take his attraction to this young woman in a very kind of typical creepy yeah yeah messed up power dynamic way but by the middle not even the end but by the middle of the movie you realize that's not the way he is and how he operates or at least and who knows maybe he did in the past but definitely his relationship with his wife has taken him to understand and explore the feelings part of his desire and to be more open and uh, more honest and more likely to actually discuss his feelings before just acting on them and all of that i wasn't expecting to see luke evans portray right and he did a really good job of making me see nuance in that portrayal where i thought i was just going to get what you see in the first 10 minutes Mm -hmm. And instead, you get so much more from him than so, I was expecting. So very much on that point, then, where did he fall in terms of articulating his thoughts and, inter- and articulating his worldview? Because this script, if done any poorer, would tread really, really heavily on mansplaining, no? I think because this was written and directed by a woman. I think if it had been written and directed by a man, it... It really does still sit on that razor's edge. Yeah, and that's what that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I think that you know a couple more scenes that focus on him or his feelings or his point of view, without the balance that you had with the other two people in this relationship, mm-hmm. it could have easily gone awry. But uh, he shares the space mm-hmm. with them in a way that I definitely wasn't expecting, but still coming off as a man from that era who would have a certain amount of entitlement and, yeah. and you know, uh, all of these sort of macho things, like when there's, you know, a conflict with them and the neighbors and whatever, he kind of reverts into default, like, alpha man mode, even though you know, based on his relationship, this is kind of 
performative, mm -hmm. although he is really feeling these things. This isn't necessarily who he is in his home life. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it could have been a much less interesting portrayal if he hadn't been uh, directed by a woman and had the other two women, especially Rebecca Hall, like being so, like, really the actual, you know, mental alpha in all of kind of as the emotional alpha, mm -hmm. he was the connective tissue. I think he was an easy way in because, yes, initially the interaction was driven by what was happening in his pants. But, well, and, but, but, uh, but and also just listening to him every time articulate, it's about this. And he, yeah. just, he always seems to just stop himself short of yeah. saying... But P, it's yeah. about getting in touch. It's like you're, you're, you're like you're you're this close. But the other part of the framing device of yeah. him teaching, yes, about these concepts. That that's too. where you sort of he gets a pass for any mansplaining because he's literally a professor. But I mean, there's professors and there's professors, right? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. In that too, he's on the right side of the line. Yeah. Even though he, you know, like yeah, he tiptoes up to it. So they keep underlining the different aspects of. Um, dominant and submissive relationships with his uh, disc theory as well. You see this parallel in different elements of the one woman character. So you, as you keep jumping back to uh, lectures through the framing device, that gives a bit of a out in that he is sort of constantly thinking out loud. Yeah. Like even when he's sort of coming up with the character, he's talking to his partners about elements of her getting that feedback of this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good note. Wives. Was, <laughs> I'm going to push through. Was, uh, was that probably the best example of Angela Robinson's vision in this movie? Like I, I always try to look at, you know, when I, when I went really hard and, deep into female mm -hmm. filmmakers stop it um don't shut up oh, son of a bitch um when i went into their work as a cinephile and consumed it and watched it and examined it from my place as a man who is trying to better himself and still failing weekly from that perspective <clears throat> um i tried to consider <laughs> what each movie may or may not be bringing that would have been different yeah. uh where was that probably the biggest example of robinson's um vision in this movie is her like really kind of her assertiveness over him or were there other moments where you're like this would have been very different if it was a dude i'd say a lot about the way it was shot it's especially the love scenes, especially to your point, the scene about yeah. getting strapped into the uh, lie detector. Lie detector. And even once, you yeah. know, even once they get to the rope sex. Yeah. Like, and it's the same thing with Wonder Woman. How I say there's really only one kind of upskirt shot where you see kind of just a bit of butt curve on Gal Gadot, like for yeah. most of the movie, even though the sort of you know, apron part of her armor is very, very short and her legs are very, very long. You don't get a lot of kind of Megan Fox and Transformers angles where I think you would have if right. that movie had been directed by a man. We'll, and, see, we'll, we'll see that for sure in Justice League, Oh my right? God, I'm... Uh, 
I'm aware that there's issues now with Joss Whedon as well, but I'm hoping that the, the Joss Whedon final cut helps maybe tilt those angles a little bit so um, we're not getting as much yeah. uh, Gal um, butt, but we'll see. Because, I mean, somehow for years Buffy managed to wear some ridiculous skirts and even climb up into ceiling panels, but we didn't see as much butt curve as yeah. you would expect. But from like from like Michael Bay. But she didn't get to wear pants a lot till seasons like six, seven. Right. But we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah, the the way those scenes were shot, but definitely um, the amount of time the women had to speak. Mm. Uh, it's again the Bechdel test. It keeps the, almost three hours. Blade Runner twenty forty nine did not pass the Bechdel test. No. It, it, we still struggle with that, and with a movie like this, there could have been some risk of these two women only ever talking about him mm -hmm. and not talking about what they're studying, which is sort of what attracted all of them to each other was aside from the fact that they were all gorgeous was their brains. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure nerds it, unite. And yeah. Sex. Yeah. So uh, I think that with a man directing, you might not have had as much time spent on the intellectual portion of the attraction. Should I, should I jump on this now and heard it? Sorry. Should I <laughs> run with this and see Debs? Because that's her, too. Mm. Not so much? I would actually want to go back and maybe see if there's any standout episodes of The L Word that she worked on. Okay. Because yeah, that's she, where she came from. Okay. That was, so I guess, I'll, her I'll, first gig. Yeah, I'll do that then. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we uh, end every... I'm so far gone. We end every matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could, you would take away from this movie and keep Petula Neal. What is your souvenir from Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman? I'm going to say all of silver cuff bracelets. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, that, that's pretty cool. That basically are the inspiration for yeah. uh, Wonder Woman's arm gauntlet. Things. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, I want to go to that shop. Um, no, no, no. Sorry, let me rephrase. I want to go to the front of that shop. I'm okay. I'm, listen, I'm gonna be honest here. I want to go to the back of that shop too. Yeah. Okay. But I want to go to that shop just because I've got an affinity for all kinds of like vintage old stuff uh -huh. and everything. Like I know that obviously it would be that shop in 1945, and that would all be modern. I don't know if those heels would come in your size. You don't know anything. Um, <laughs> I just, I like, I just, I think everything in there looks incredible, and I would just like to be able to, you know, see it and check it out and hold it, and you know, all kind. Of, it's it's something I was thinking about in the way that we are now. That so few of us have anything that is unique and custom and distinctly ours once purchased. I mean, I think to myself, I'm like my camera strap. Is, is is kind of mine and my iPod only because it's got like a custom skin on it my you know the t-shirt the I'm wearing anybody could buy the hat on my head anybody could buy my sneakers like but that's the thing this era everything was much more bespoke yes yeah so I'd, I'd kind of like to go to that shop and look around the front um, get something made Shush. I'm blushing again, aren't I? Uh -huh. uh, okay. Uh, we rate on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Petula Neal, what do we give Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman? I'm going to give it a hard three. Okay. Me too, actually. Yeah. Um, like, really well done. Really, like, 
really well good approach to the subject matter and only loses marks because I wanted more of it. Yeah, I know? think just... But we could have been there all day. It's the third act with all one woman things this year. If they, they managed to clean up the framing device a bit and end it without as many sort of hops yeah. uh, between the framing device and the A few too many title cards at the end. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Nice. Hey, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you think that uh, Wonder Woman, that, that Professor Marston is a much better movie than we're giving it credit for. Maybe you ate it. Maybe. I did really like it, though. I, yeah, me too. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I would watch it again. I absolutely will watch this movie again. Just and feel alone or only with one? <laughs> or, I guess based on the I movie, so two other people? I so close to getting out of this for two other I, I think you have to. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's the, the, you can't. You know, this, is not a, yeah. this is not a you and the mister kind of movie. Yeah. Invite over a friend, have some drinks, and, hey, have you seen this? Yeah. My God, that would be like... Holy shit. You we, cannot. <laughs> oh my God. That okay. is such a great social I have experiment. got to get out of this segment. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe you think that this movie is absolute <laughs> filth. Maybe you think that we are just a pair of dirty birds. Let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca. Twitter where I'm matinee underscore CA. Or Facebook.com slash dark matinee. What do you think of Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman? We are going to both go take a shower separately. And uh, come back and try to talk about some other stuff on the other side right after this. Come on back. We're back. I'm Ryan. She's Petula. It's episode 185 of the Matinee Cast. We've been talking about Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Uh, if you missed that, my God, do I feel bad for you because this is one for the Hall of Fame. Um, we, in the past, have flipped the record over to play the other side and talk about two specific movies and go, you know, five or ten minutes into each one. But I'm feeling like going forward. Uh, that I want to do the other side more as a mishmash of other titles um, for a litany of reasons. One, because it kind of opens things up to um, a, other, a, a different kind of conversation. Two, just in terms of nuts and bolts, it provides for less homework for me and the guests. I do always feel bad with the amount of prep that I get my guests to do. And if I can ask them not to have to specifically watch two other movies, then I'm going to. So going forward, the other side is going to be more like this, more of a cross section of various films that the feature made us think of. Um, but you are the guest, so you get to get us going. Uh, what is a movie that for any rhyme or reason you got to be thinking of, um, a, a movie that one can watch on Netflix or on a platform or in a theater, not a movie that one could watch on certain websites um, that you got to be thinking of uh, in, in relation to Professor and the Wonder Woman? Belle. Uh, Holy shit, I still haven't seen it. Okay, yeah, please. So Alma Asante uh, directed this movie, Belle, with Gugu and Boothura and uh, Matthew Good and I believe Sarah Kinder. Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, Sarah Gadon. Sure. And it is based on a real person. So that's where one of the parallels comes in. Uh, no rope sex. Let's just get that up front. No. Um, but it's about 
a lot of things, but one of the elements that's in there is um, the relationship between two women, in this case two um, sisters, one's uh, adopted or fostered, and you do get a lot of unexpected dynamics between these two women, I think, again, partially because this movie was directed by a woman. So where you expect more of the fumbling of the kind of female-sister relationship that you, if you watch Game of Thrones, you saw in the most recent season, instead you get, you know, what is probably a more likely portrayal of how these two women would have interacted with each other. So that one, I'd say in terms of film, is something that really jumped out. But uh, to throw a bonus pick that's not a film, but a, a television Netflix series, uh, Mindhunter. Really? Which uh, the, the main character, uh, played by... I can't remember his name now, but he's been in Looking, and he started off on Broadway in Spring Awakening. And Jonathan Groff. Yeah, Jonathan Groff. Groff you, have a whole, you have a whole lot of Gleeks who are really <laughs> mad at you right yeah. now. You happen to be listening to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on Glee, too. <laughs> and he played... Uh, he's Kristoff. And he was the king in Hamilton, I think, in the yes. original cast. Yes, yeah. yes. He's, yeah, he's, he's everywhere. He's all the things. Yes. So... Uh, that character that he plays is based on the main character in the true crime book okay that was the inspiration for the will crawford character and the tom harris joints including you know your manhunter your silence of the land so sorry or whatever whatever you so it's kind of like a double hop for like uh the parallel here being yeah, a no. character a real person becoming an inspiration for oh, a fictional okay, character. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, not bad. Okay. That's. I. I've been on the fence about Mindhunter. I know Lindsay's really wanted to watch it. It's another. You know, like Fincher is almost like the J.J. Abrams of Netflix series, where he'll be involved. He gets in it a started kind of, and then walks. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a beautiful pilot to kind of set the tone. Yeah. Um. One that came to mind just as you were talking about Val, and I actually felt dumb that I didn't think about it before is did you see ginger and rosa a few years ago no directed by sally potter um it's um it's about two friends um who have all kind of, like they, they have a closeness and they have things that eventually kind of pull them apart and they're they're teenagers i think they're about 14 15 in the movie maybe 16 tops um but what i love about that movie that you were kind of reminding me of in your in your explanation of Belle and what I saw a little bit of in Wonder Women and wanted more of in Wonder Women is the way a relationship between two women kind of blurs all of these different lines. Guys are morons. Guys do not relate any more than either friends or brothers. That's it. That's all we got. You know, we're, we're not, we're, we're, our, our brains are incapable of anything that's not binary. And I, I always look at the women I've known and the women of like Ginger and Rosa and how things are sometimes sisterly, sometimes friendly, sometimes mentor, mentee, sometimes romantic, either like borderline or explicit. And it's like all of this, it's, it's hard to put all of this into a movie and not have it be titillating. And yet Ginger and Rosa, I feel like does that. 
Uh, and you haven't seen it? No. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was on my... It was at the festival, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was on my maybe list. It just didn't fit yeah. for some reason. And then I haven't had a chance to see it since. I wonder if maybe I'd see like some of that in what you're talking about with Mel. Probably. Like that, that kind of dynamic. Yeah. Was there another movie or something like that that came to mind? I mean, the one that I... Do came it. up and then it's go there. Let's go. Was it threesome? Was that the name of it? It was like, like 1994. There was with a Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah, yeah. And a there was a public song on yeah. the soundtrack. But it, it had that one line about uh, sex is like pizza, even when it's bad, it's still kind of good. Right. It always stuck with me. Right. But it was in that era, and it used the song Shape of My Heart, which was also used in like uh, Leon. Shape of My Heart? Yeah. Okay. Leon slash The Professional. They both use that song. Those movies came out within, I think, a year or two of each other. And... Holy shit, the third guy was Josh Charles. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I... <laughs> That movie was not great. No, no, and that's the thing, that's the thing I feel like we're talking about. But I like, did watch it, right? And uh, you know, sometimes the use of a song could save a movie. And I was, I really love Shape of My Heart. I don't know if it's because of the professional, because it's a good song, right? Maybe both, right? But hearing that song in that movie that wasn't anywhere close to Leon, it, it elevated it somehow. Sometimes a, a bit of music can. Uh, do a lot for right. a movie like that, and there and it had moments, and I do think that movie suffered more from the time it was made. I would like to think that the the goals were far more ambitious than what ended up being produced. This definitely feels like a case of, you know, I we mean, have to make this. I remember releasable. That, I remember how that movie was sold, right? Like that yeah. movie was sold as a borderline screwball comedy, and I yeah. mean screwball comedy in the way of like ski school or revenge of the nerds not if like i feel like this concept could have been a better movie than it probably was is it good it's 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 okay but you had to be there there's a couple of things about the one of the love scenes some hand movement that i'm listening placement oh i'm definitely that i wasn't expecting Okay, we're back. I've been educated. Um, <laughs> I gotta see this movie. Um, Maybe not. You could fast forward parts of it. No, I'll, I'll, if, I, if yeah. I'm in it, I'm in it. Why not? I, and it's it's short too, right? Again, movies of that era, it's not you're not buckled up for two and a half hours. No, it's like this is like an hour and a half in and out. Yeah, heard it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I yeah, you know it's 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 weird because I think that you you and I could recommend this movie to each other because we're of a, same, a similar age. I would not ever recommend this to somebody who's like ten years my junior or no. ten years my senior because there's just going to be the era is just not going to work. It's kind of like I watched um, oh what did I watch Kicking and Screaming the other day the Noah Baumbach movie and I feel like if you weren't around in the '90s that movie just seems awful you know but because you're watching a whole bunch of '90s pretentious yeah. slackery college assholes it's like oh i remember these people i'll, I'll, I'll hang out with them for a bit um okay no that's that's that yeah yeah i mean if you want to go lowbrow after yeah. professor yeah. marston um i'm gonna go in the other direction i'm gonna go with i've got two and i'm kind of wondering which direction i want to go say them both i said three things. okay that's One's that's good yeah that's a good point okay so yeah. my first one then is kind of the opposite of threesome 
is Itu Mama Tambien. Oh, right. Um, in that, with that movie, you know, like kind of what I was saying, like guys don't let themselves be anything other than binary. I kind of feel like that's a movie where two guys for a moment or two get it and the light goes on and they just evolve for, you know, five minutes and become something else. But that is a movie for me very much about love, right? Um, it's hot. It's very dirty um, in, in some jokey ways and in some just straight up sexy ways. Um, but that's a movie where I feel like the emotional beats get nailed perfectly. That's Quaron, isn't it? That's our gravity boy himself. Our hair, but why are you why are you smiling? Well, it's just I always think of he did that and then he did a Harry Potter movie. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. almost right after each other too, because that movie was like two thousand and one. And then yes, you you sir, you get to do the, the the movie about the boy wizard yeah. who's friends with another boy and another girl. Uh-huh. Here you go. Yeah, here's another thruple for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see, you've seen you two Mama Tim yet? Of course. Yeah. It's been a while though. I kind of want to go back to it now immediately. Really? Actually, yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 I love how excited you are. This is awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. That's because of that. Because I just I'm at a place in life where I just. Like you said earlier, like I love stories about love yeah, in all of its facets because I feel like that's where so many people get tripped up when they're talking about anything other than heteronormative sex is they don't realize that it can be about who you love and you don't know why you love who you love. You just do, right? But I feel like there's too much of the world that doesn't really see it that way. So that's what I go for. Um, the other... The other movie that came to mind i wonder why is did you ever see the duke of burgundy no do you know what the duke of burgundy is about i think mel may have recommended it but i haven't watched oh, it yet okay. i think it might be on my if it's on netflix it may be on my list okay of so things that i should watch we'll go down this rabbit hole the duke of burgundy is about is another story about two women um they uh my friend jess rogers knows what it's called and i don't it's the scientists that study butterflies um, there's a word for them, like botanist, but not botanist, obviously. Um, so they're, they're both butterfly botanists and they live together in this insanely gorgeous estate somewhere in Europe. Uh, I want to say it's France. Um, and the older dominates the younger, um, in all manner of ways, be it you're going to do this task at this time. You're going to answer when I knock like this. You're going to clean my boots like this. You're going to do X, Y, Z, one, two, three. However, you want to stop me there? I just have a question. Please. At any point, do you smash cut from somebody reaching completion to a butterfly or a bunch of butterflies flying? I think you do. Okay. I think, yeah, yeah. That's all. It's, yeah, it, Go it, ahead. Yes, okay. Um, <laughs> however, here, here, here's the twist. The twist is that the, 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 the dominant woman is actually getting run ragged because her little is basically topping from the bottom and saying, no, 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 make me wait 10 minutes. Don't come in in seven. Make me wait this long. Or, or, you know, hey, can we do this this time? I want to order this thing that costs this much and will have me denied in this way. And so, first of all, um, there's a lot of stuff in this that's really hot. There's a lot of stuff in this that's also really just kind of weird and not so hot for many people. Um, but there's a lot of 
examination of the actual power dynamic. Not everyone can handle a bossy bottom. No, I, I, well, there's that. I mean, it's it's just, it, it's it's this whole thing, you know, that was kind of what I was getting in Professor Marston. I was like, he is like this close to topping from the bottom a lot of times in terms of how he wants to be tied up and why he wants to be tied up and how long he wants to be on his knees and so on and so on. And he always seems to kind of just tiptoe up to that line of topping from the bottom, but he never goes over into that place. Duke of Burgundy, she basically lives in that place. And... It's really avant-garde. Like in uh, when this played at TIFF, it was in it was literally in Vanguard. Um, oh, Vanguard. I know. Porn went out for Vanguard. Um, sound in this movie is key. Details in this movie is key. It's another movie like I was talking about. I wanted to be in that shop in uh, Professor Marston and the Women. It's another movie where a lot of the items and the clothing are all very custom and unique and really sexy. Um, so it's it's another movie that I'm like, well, you know, if you're here already. Why not go, forget about the back room, go into the back back room and hang out with the Duke of Burgundy woman. And I'm really making it sound way dirtier than it actually is, but it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a movie. All right. So, do we have any others that are not absolute pieces of filth that we could end on? Are you, no, you're just think, gonna, you're gonna make me own it, are you? I don't think anything that we, I, Belle definitely has. No, Belle is not filthy. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that, that's our takeaway, people. Remember Belle. Remember Please Belle. watch Belle. If you want to watch more films that examine relationships between women and actually let them have whole conversations about things and ideas, then... I mean, jokes aside, that is one of the key good things about Duke of Burgundy is I actually don't think there's a guy in the cast, for starters. There's no guy in the cast, and it's all the women talking. You know, and, and and they do sometimes talk about things that are not sex related. Yeah. So well, the world needs more of that. They do. Yeah. They certainly do. That is episode 185 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back. As I said, the show is back up and running for the fall, and we're going to sprint towards the end of 2017. We're coming back on Monday, November 6th for episode 186, where we'll be discussing Thor Ragnarok, people. Ooh. Yeah. I know him from work. Um, <laughs> Patula Neal can sometimes be found on in a tiff. Uh, you, guys, you said you want to do another episode sometime yeah. in the near future. I need to do another po- kind of post-post-festival. I like to do one about a month after where things have had a chance I mean, to settle. I feel like there's a piece of writing that you guys could really have a long, hard talk about on the, the podcast. The Globe and Mail article. Yeah, we did. It had come out the week of the last episode, so we did touch on that. But that was also before we found out as well that Jesse Wendy's also leaving. Yeah. So, yes, there's definitely more to talk about with the behind the scenes as well uh, with the website this year. That you know some improvements, but uh, they're still definitely struggling with their allocation of resources to their digital experience. Mm. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, because we're not entirely sure when that episode is going to drop, people will probably best to follow you on Twitter. Where can they find you? Obesa Kantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T. Obesa, the fat lady, Kantawit has some. I always want to add an extra S. Yeah. Like whenever I'm trying to tweet you, if it doesn't come up in the OBE and I say, I gotta say, I'm like, I can't I find her. Um, And thank you so much for coming out again on a Sunday morning. I know I get you, I tend to get you out here early. One of these days, we got to record one of these things at like, like 1245 on a Friday. Oh, you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. Be like good and good and liquored. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes Store, all of which give you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Professor Marston and the Wonder Women can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca, or you can find me on Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA. There's also the Book of Face, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Yeah, see you with a friend. Don't wear tight pants. <laughs> that is the best final thought. I was going to ask you for any final thoughts, but uh, you beat me to it. For Petula, I'm Ryan. <laughs> Hoy, we'll see you at the matinee. <laughs> <laughs>